Welcome to the Cranmer Fellows Podcast. My name is Jonathan Groves, and I'm here with Matt Kennedy, uh, who is the pastor of Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, uh, and I have the privilege of serving alongside him as deacon at uh, Good Shepherd. Um, so I uh, asked you, Matt, on Tuesday if we could record, and you said that you could always record a podcast on the fly. Um, so, of course, you asked me before we started recording what we were talking about, but I figured um, I can just tell you what our topic is once we start recording, and we'll get you we'll get your recording on the fly, and, and that way our uh, the listeners can always get the authentic <laughs> and real Matt Kennedy. Um, but um, uh, actually, um, today, uh, this will be... This will be a, probably our, our first episode that we put up. Um, like I told you, we have other episodes, a couple other episodes right. that I need to go back and recover Edit. from right. old <laughs> yeah from old computers. <laughs> um, so so those uh, Lord willing will be able to um, will be able to go up. But uh, today I figured since um, since this podcast is going to be. Uh, largely geared towards like ministry training, um, all things related to the pastorate, anything in the church, uh, that probably a good thing to start off with is um, just the pastorate in general, just like uh, what is a pastor. Um, and uh, I mean, I could just ask that. I could just ask what is a pastor, we could dive into it. But I, uh, I was curious on my drive over actually, um, about asking you how, uh, your sermon was going, because I know that that's pretty related. So why don't we start there? I want to hear how just things are going with that. Um, and then I can segue into sure. the job of a, a pastor. So, <laughs> well, I, you know, some pastors are really, are really organized and they, um, they'll chart out their, you know, which, where they're going to be if they're preaching through a book. Yeah, weeks, months in advance, and they'll have. Like I knew one guy who had, a, had like outlines already. Like so, he every every Monday he just put his outline that he'd already made for, you know, Acts five or whatever. And, oh, an outline uh, for the actual sermon. Yeah, and then he just write it up, right? So he would write up a man. You'd manuscript, but he would write up from this outline. How did he already he, have an outline? I don't know. Yeah, I guess he spent like his summer or like his, <laughs> his, his sabbatical or maybe his, his month off or something. Probably just copied that from the job. I have no or... idea, right? <laughs> no, I wake up on Monday morning and I just go. I yeah, I I I look at the passage, pray through it, and you know the process. We've talked about it. Maybe we'll we'll talk about it again. But yeah. um, so today, this week though, I'm preaching on Acts four verses thirteen through uh, twenty uh, twenty two, and that's where Peter and John are before the Sanhedrin, and the Sanhedrin tells them to shut up about Jesus, and they say, um, "No, <laughs> we're not. We're not going to do that." Um, so it's going. It's not. It's not. Sometimes, like by by Friday, I'm at the last part of my. I, sh- I, I write my rough draft on Wednesday or Thursday. By Friday, I should be editing, and I should have should have a good feeling about it by Friday. And if I have a bad feeling about it, then I'm going to be working. It's a bad weekend. It's a bad weekend. Yeah, yeah. But I have a good feeling, so I think I'll be able to take tomorrow. As an easier day. Do you typically so, take your Saturdays? Off? I don't take them off. No, I never no. take Saturday off. But I, but they, they can either be, they can either be horrible and anxiety ridden, or they can be okay. I've got everything pretty much in hand. Sunday school's done. Right. Sermons okay. I'm, I can rest and work on other things. So it's a lot of work <laughs> to do a sermon, uh, especially 
an in-depth sermon, like the in-depth sermons that you do, and then also to have Bible studies, Christian ed on Sundays. How do you how do you manage all those all those things together? Well, that's why you're here. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't teach them. I mean, you do. Well, no, but you take. I mean, you Bible study. Well, I mean, I, I okay. So before I was a before Good Shepherd was uh, sufficiently resourced enough to have anyone assisting me doing any kind of pastoral care, and it was just me. Um, it was really hard. You know, it was, it was you. You have certain things you have to do every week. You have to. I, I would have to. I would set aside at least an hour and a half for each Bible study beforehand to study the text. Maybe two hours, if it depending on how hard it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I back then I was teaching four Bible studies a week, and then you had yeah. I was teaching Tuesday, men's Thursday. A lot of the, the right right now we five or six years ago we switched to home groups, and so two of the Bible studies I was teaching became home groups. Gotcha. And uh, so I was teaching four Bible studies a week, and I was teaching Sunday school, and I was preaching. Those are the things you just, they were just there. They're the pillars of your week. You have to carve out time, and and you and for me, I'm a person of routine, so I have to have the same time. I'm studying for all those things every week mm. and preparing for these, those things all week, all week. But then there's the variables. I mean, someone gets goes into the hospital, someone is getting a divorce, or there's some kind of marriage crisis, there's some, someone gets thrown into jail, which happens at Good Shepherd. So I think you know, my first 10 years, I was working like a good 70 hours a week, I think. It was, it was, wow. it was crazy. It was more, that was an average. I mean, now, now it's down to much it's reduced to about 50 to 60. So, yeah. I mean, that's uh, still, still a busy week, still a busy, busy week, week, but not compared yeah. to what it was. Yeah. Um, um, how many hours would you say you put into the sermon in a week? I, on average, about 20, 20. Yeah. Cause I, I, I spend a lot of time on the, in, uh, I spend a good t- bit of time in the front end, you know, studying commentaries, doing language stuff. Um, so I, I was go back and give it my process, which might be helpful to people who yeah. are listening. Um, so on Monday, I'll look at the text, uh, pray through it, um, and try to write out, just spend the time just reading it over and over again and, try, and trying to write out a kind of summary of the text and what I think it means, what, what, what I think the, the point is. Okay. And I'll let it rest. So work, but kind of light work. I'm not, I'm not looking for any other resources than what I have in my own head and in the scriptures. Um, the next day, Tuesday, I'll, that's when I'll, I'll take a deeper, a, a pretty deep dive into commentaries. Every commentary I have, I wish I had more, but, um, and, I, and, and what I'm doing is I'm seeing, okay, where have, where was my initial understanding of the text shallow or incorrect or maybe maybe I might disagree with some of the people in the commentaries, but but I'm I'm just making sure that um, my initial reading I'm testing my initial reading by what others have seen, and usually it just dramatically changes my initial reading. So, so your summary, <laughs> yeah, your summary changes. Yeah, yeah, pretty much changes. Yeah. So the main so um, because my my whole point I'm trying to work up. Uh, the reason that summary is important is because I think, especially when you're preaching a narrative text like Acts or go- the Gospels or um, or a non-didactic part portion of the Old Testament, um, there's always a narrative there. There's always a there's always a climax. There's always a, a 
a genuine, there's, there's, there's just like a story. So I want to make sure my sermon matches, uh, understands and, um, follows the biblical narrative arc. And so that's why it's so important to get that, that, that your first initial impression out on paper, because you're, 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 you kind of read that you read a, you read a, a biblical narrative as you would read a story. So you want to make sure you have, you get all those points down. So, okay. When you are putting down that summary though, that's after you've done the work in the original language. So or, I, yeah. Or, okay. I'll do that the first day. Yeah. Are you doing like before that summary, are you also doing like, you know, are you writing up the text? Are you doing observations? Are you doing word studies? Or do you just, are you just looking at it? Not, you're not writing anything down. You're just getting the gist of it and then writing what you think it might. We saw so read it two or three times in English and mm-hmm. I'll, I'll pray over it. And then I'll go to the Greek, see if there's any words that I need to look at or doing, there's anything, any, I won't do extensive word studies unless there's a word that's like, Weird. Weird. And yeah. then I'll... So some, some weeks I won't do any word study. I'll just check out the Greek and see if the translation is, is good. Um, and uh, so, so yeah, if, but if there is, if there's something I need to look at, I'll do that that day to make sure I'm understanding the text right. Um, and then, I mean, I consider all that kind of primary source yeah. research. And then the second day is secondary source, like commentary and commentaries and whatever people say mm-hmm. but once but that primary source study should provide you if you're assuming you're understanding the text correctly should provide you with a good kind of understanding of of the arc of the sermon the next day is to see did you understand it correctly um are there and then of course details that you may not have fleshed out that need to be fleshed out um so I'd like to have at least three to four commentaries. Um, and I know I need more. I would love to have, if anyone would like to donate to Good Shepherd $1,000, we could put the logos, <laughs> get the logo software. Um, but we don't have that right now. Um, so we're stuck using you know, Kindle and, and hardback books. But um, uh, My wife bought me a Cordance a while back. So oh, I oh use accordance. that's cool. Okay, yeah. that's great. Oh, yeah. man. Man. Yeah. I'm very envious. Um, so, uh, so then on um, on Wednesday, which is I, I have a, I have a flexed, flexed Wednesday or Thursday. So if I'm st- if if something comes up Wednesday, on Wednesday, um, or if I if I feel like I need to write on Wednesday, I can do it, and I'll take my day off on Thursday. And okay. if so, I switch. But wh- wh- either Wednesday or Thursday, I'm writing my sermon. Okay, this time it's Thursday. Um, That's all day. All day. It takes me all day. What time are you starting? I'll start around. I'll start at nine thirty. I start writing, and I usually, like, yesterday I finished at 6, 15. So How long of a manuscript do you have after that? I have uh, usually anywhere from, not that not long, like 4,000 to 5,000 words. Oh. Yeah, I don't just, I mean, I... You're, yeah, you're writing, but you're... Thinking about you're it. You're thinking so. about it, too. Yeah. Yeah, you're not just learning I, everything on the page. Yeah, I used to do that. I used to like, but when I, when I did that, I had like 6,000, 7,000 words. So, which is, which means editing is a beast. So I, but I've been more careful about how I do my first draft mm-hmm. now. So it's 4,000, 5,000 words. And I know like when I preach, I have to, I have to have a manuscript of 3,300 words or less or I'll go more than 40 minutes. Oh, 
So I know my, I mean, I, I know my, I know my preaching speed. Yeah, that's that's actually that's funny to me because <laughs> you're a very fast talker. You're very fast in the liturgy. Like right now, like we're yeah, yeah. But in the sermon, at, at times you think, oh, he's talking really fast, but you're actually slow because I can, I I can preach that that sermon in. Like way less than forty. Minutes. I know when you guys turn in your sermon manuscripts yeah. to me, I see man, you got four thousand five hundred words. I can here. preach. Gotta, I can. You gotta, yeah, cut, you got to cut that down. <laughs> I can preach a four thousand. <laughs> right. What was it? I think I can preach a four thousand two hundred word sermon in forty minutes or less. I mean that's yeah, and that's just I like I, I don't I know how you do that. It. And you don't. Yeah. I mean, when I'm listening to you, you don't sound like you're you're preaching too fast. I don't know. I'm don't not know. sure how it works. I don't know. It's weird. But anyway, yeah. So <laughs> Thursday, you're. At six o'clock, you you finished your manuscript. The rest of the day, or the rest of Friday and Saturday, you're just cutting away. Yeah, editing things. Yeah. Hope I mean I like to try and get all my initial edits done on Friday. Okay. And I like to not. I would love not to have to look at it on Saturday because you know, the, you know the, those days, like the the day between the study and the writing, is huge for your brain needs time to kind of process what you studied and read. So I really like to write my sermon on Thursday and take Wednesday yeah. as, a, as a break day. And I like to do my initial edits on Friday and then I do the final edits on Sunday morning at 3.45 a.m. Because then, <laughs> because, because then oh, I yeah, have... Like everyone does. <laughs> like everyone. Because then I'll have... I have a space. You know, my, my brain wow. has a time to rest. Yeah. I can go back... To, I can get back to the text and it's a new thing. You yeah. Know? It's nothing worse to me anyway than editing a text. I've been editing for days. It, it just becomes... The text becomes... You, you you lose your perspective on it. Yeah, and you just get lost in the forest of the words, and you yep. can't can't see what you're doing. That so. um that happened to me last week when I was preaching at St Andrews. Um, and they of course you know you're preaching for 20 minutes, so you're not going long, and that was hard for me to kind of condense. But man, that first draft I put out, I, I went downstairs and was talking to angels like, that's the worst draft I've probably <laughs> ever written in my life. That is so bad. And I asked her, I said. You know, should I should I take tonight and like work on it, or this was um, Friday, hmm. or should I just wait till tomorrow and do it? She said, just relax tonight yeah. and then do it tomorrow. And gosh, she was right because I I just hung out Friday night. Uh, I woke up. I I took we took Saturday morning very slowly. I put Sawyer down for his nap, and so I so I'm like worrying, like oh I gotta get to it. I said, just wait, man. I sat down whenever he was down for his nap, and I just yeah, that's it's amazing. My mind was clear. Yeah. It, was like, it was crazy. It was really crazy. But um, so do you typically have it? You're you're typically good to go Friday, or you try to be good to go Friday. That way, Saturday you can here and there do other things. like busy work that yeah. needs to be done, like write emails and things like that. Right. So if I didn't have if I didn't have you or or Micah, I'd probably be you know. I used to do a lot, do some visits on Saturday and things like that. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so why do you take so long on your sermon? My, <laughs> my you gosh, know, don't you know there's other things to do? And <laughs> well, we come, you know, we come from the Episcopal Church, and one of the the reason I think the Episcopal Church has gone the direction it's gone is because I think at some point, and Episcopalian or former Episcopalians can argue about when that point was, but at some point. Um, Episcopalians decided that the scriptures were secondary, hmm. and and when the scriptures are secondary, the sermon is tertiary. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't. And so, mo, mo, I grew up in the Episcopal Church, and 
I, the, the focus in the 80s, 90s, and I'm sure before that, was on the Eucharist, which is, communion's wonderful. It's great. It's, it's the body and blood of Jesus. We partake spiritually, wonderful thing. Um, but, but if you only have the, the, the sacrament and not the word before it, the sacrament begins to become a magical thing or some kind of, you don't know what you're doing. You don't have any idea um, who this Lord is that you're approaching <laughs> at, at his table. And, or why. Or why, right? So I think, I think the Episcopal Church lost its way because the, the, the art of preaching, the art and science of preaching was disregarded and mm-hmm. considered nothing. Um, because the scriptures were disregarded and considered nothing. So when we left the Episcopal Church, I said that's well. Even when we were there, when I when I first got to, out of seminary, that was what I thought was going on in the Episcopal Church. And I thought I still I got out of seminary in two thousand and two. Wow, that's a long time ago. <laughs> and I thought, um, and I came to Good Shepherd, and I thought, okay, well, we have about ten years before the sexuality debate causes some kind of division. Well, it was the next year. I didn't. Wow. <laughs> it was 2023 when Gene Robinson was oh. consecrated as a bishop. He's a partner oh, guy. Um, so I thought, I thought I'm going to go to my church. I'm going to go to the church, wherever, I'm, wherever I land, whatever congregation I land in. The first thing I'm going to do is start Bible studies. I'm going to start preaching expositionally. Um, I'm going to do all the things like lay down a good foundation of, of the scriptures where people want to hear and believe, believe the Bible. Um, of course I came to central New York, which as you know, it's full of people who just Episcopalians who love the Bible. <laughs> right. Yeah. So was, good shepherd was, uh, I was, it was, they're great people, very nice people, but they were very biblically. They didn't know what the, they didn't have any interest in at first and any knowledge, reason, understanding of why you should be interested in the Bible. Uh, they heard the Bible read every Sunday. We have a lot of, you know, we have, you know, Baptists don't have as much Bibles in their churches as we do. We have, we have. I've heard that. We have all the Bible in the world. And plus, we, we, we went to Sunday school, we got confirmed, we're fine, right? So you go into Episcopal, an Episcopal church like that, it's a, it's a, it's a hard push to, to get anyone to come to your first Bible study. It's a hard push to say, one of the biggest fights I had the first month. Um, and they say, don't change anything, but this, this church was dying. So it, you had to, I had to go in there and change some things. Um, so there were like 40 people and they were all, you know, very old, which is great. I love all the people, but there's, there's nobody there who was, hadn't been there for 20 years and 30 years and hadn't, or generations. So I moved, you know, the biggest fight we had, I moved the 10 AM service to 10 30. That was the fight because wow. Well, there was an eight o'clock service even then. You know, there's like oh, five, there was there was a five people five people coming to eight o'clock service. Oh wow, and no sermon. Um, and, oh wow, and no sermon. And then a ten thirty or ten o'clock service, right? And then in between time, they had you know social hour. They had the coffee and the, and the danishes and the <laughs> donuts and everything, and and that's that was a big part of. Mm-hmm. The, the people there, I mean, and the people there had grown up together. They knew each other well, and that was part of who they were. Um, so I said, why don't, look, we got some space and time there. Uh, why don't we just move the 10.30, 10 o'clock service to 10.30 and then put Christian education 
right in that slot. And then if we ever get children coming to this church, we can have Sunday school right there. There were, there were like two or three children there, so there was already kind of a Sunday school, but that Sunday school was going on during the church service. Hmm. So I said, <laughs> why don't we can move the Sunday school, the two or three kids we have, we can move them and, and teach them during that space of time, and, and then we can have adult Christian education. And no. We don't need adult education. Yeah, we right, we yeah. already graduated. It was like high school. Like we graduated from Sunday school, so we don't need to go back to yeah. <laughs> back, yeah. back to learning. We already know what we're doing, and they knew nothing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you started. <laughs> oh man! Right. So, um, but you kept the Danishes and the coffee during that time. Okay. Yeah, they they got to eat the Danishes. Yeah, they the still coffee. got those. Right, right. But uh, and, and pretty soon it started picking up. People, I mean, the the, the core, like the people at Good Shepherd who are still here, who were then back then. Are the people who started coming to the Bible studies in in, in, mm-hmm. in Christian ed, like Chris Jones? Mm-hmm. I, I should mention names, but the, the, you know the old yeah. old guard. I guess yeah. <laughs> the old guard who are still a good shepherd are the people who said, and some of them against their better judgment and against their desires, decided they're going to go to the Bible study and see what it's like. So. Wow. <laughs> what strikes me um, when you're saying all this is just the testament to. Uh, well, the effectiveness of just God's word that you go in and you say, uh, you know, you don't go in with this mission, vision, value statement, but uh, to preach the word, to make disciples, that's that's what you're going in to do. Yeah. And watching <clears throat> the word of God do the work, um, you know, that... Um, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, there's, you know, with all the, with the WEF going on right now and all the weird stuff <laughs> yeah. in our in our world, I was I was asking myself, man, like what um, what do guys like me and uh, uh, who who are who are wanting to go uh, into the pastor who are entering into ministry in the church, like what what do we need to know? Um, going forward, how are things going to be different? How, 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 what do we need to know to do ministry effectively in our world? And I, and I was like, oh yeah, there's probably a really interesting answer to that. And then I thought for a minute, I was like, um, what is it? Uh, Jude one, three came to mind. It's like, (laughs) um, you contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. Like that's that's what you do. That's all your job is. That's all your job is. (laughs) You, you, uh, yes, you are going into a different context. Um, there's been different, uh, contexts for, for the whole time of the church these last 2000 years. Um, but the problem is the same and the solution is the same. They take the, the problem takes on different faces, but, the job of a pastor, it seems, is to take that mask off, say what it is, and then to and then apply the 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 remedy, which is the gospel. So you're you're just you're, you preach the word of God in all seasons and in in, in in every context, and it it does the work. And it, it amazes me how um, even in uh, seminary uh, there are just that's not really talked about. Right. So I'm in seminary now and on, I'm online and it's at a Baptist school. And I, I like this school. I, um, I took a class last semester um, with the president there. And 
I listened to him because there were uh, lectures that I um, zoomed in on, and I listened to him uh, just um, just defame a lot of like the woke culture that's going on, and a lot of stuff going on in the SBC. And I was, awesome! This guy's great. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so I, I, I like I, I had a, a, a newfound respect for the school after being in that class, um, but still, just I. Like I've been in classes. I'm in this class now with um, about leadership, and just there's not that's not talked about. How like it's just the job of a pastor is to preach the word. Um, we just overcomplicate it. It seems like um, I don't know. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I think um, I was I, I had one period in seminary where I, I, was, I was I hadn't read it before. Somebody said, "Oh, you should, you should read the Purpose Driven Church." <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, yeah. By, uh, yeah, by yeah. Rick Warren. I read the Purpose Driven Life when I was a kid. Yeah, well, Changed they had the Purpose Driven everything back then. I was like, <laughs> yeah. was like the Purpose Driven, you know, youth pastor, or youth group. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, yeah. So I, I read it and I got really excited, you know, because it's like, you know, it's like, this it's kind of, yeah. So it's kind of like reading, it's kind of like reading self help books, you know, you just, oh, if I just change these few things about my life, everything is going to be so much better. And um, at the end of the day, I realized this, I actually talked to my pastor about this, my pastor who had brought me up and he said, well, you know, he has some good ideas, but so I've never, guy? yeah, okay. he's an Episcopal, my pastor, uh, Al Lawrence, uh, Church of the Ascension in Houston, Texas, solid, solid guy. I mean, he was old, he's older guys now, he's 86. Um, but he just said, yeah, well, I, I'm sure he means well. <laughs> <laughs> But, 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 you know, don't listen to anything he says. <laughs> so, so, yeah. so, so, um, and I, I really trusted Al. He's, mm-hmm. he's, he, uh, he, he discipled me through my first months of being a Christian and um, really led me well. So, um, and I, so he, then Al said, just, you have one job. <laughs> and, and, and the great thing about doing that one job, preaching the Bible and teaching the Bible is, is you can if you can do that faithfully, you can know that if the ministry fails, it's not because you did anything wrong. It's be, it's God's will. God's word. God doesn't mean for every ministry to 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 succeed. Uh, you can know if people hate you, then then they're hating you like they hate the prophets. You can know um, that if it grows and it's doing well, it's not you. It's Jesus. So it's on him to keep it going or not. I mean, you you it, all of literally all of the pressure that is placed on on a lot of younger pastors right now to have big churches, you know, urban ministry, all the, um, how, uh, I don't know, but it, all the pressure that's on the shoulders of a young person coming out of seminary, um, to grow his church it is that's taken away. If you just say, my job is to preach the Bible and I'm going to find the best way to do that. Um, and if the whole ministry centered around that, like how to, uh, you're, 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 you spend money on technology so that the microphones will be clear, right? <laughs> not so that you have fog and light, um, right. but so the microphones will be clear. You, you, you spend money so that people can hear your preaching. You spend money so that people are comfortable in Sunday school. You spend money so that people are able to um, you know, log on and hear the, the sermon when they can't be there in person. So um, that, that, that directs that once you make that decision, everything else about your ministry kind of falls into place. Yeah. And that stuff, when your focus is on preaching the word, that, that stuff is secondary to, to 
to boost the ministry of the word. It's exactly. like the, the trellis and the vine book, where you know, you, yeah, the the goal is to grow the vine. The goal right. is to make disciples, to preach the word of God, to shepherd the people. Um, but uh, when you have a, a when you have a well uh, when you have a strong trellis, uh, a well ordered system, that only serves to make that better. Right. Whereas it seems like with a lot of churches, a lot of big churches, a lot of big wigs like um, Warren, it's flipped almost. Yeah. Um, which is just so interesting to me because what does a program offer people? I don't know. Like what, like, I mean, what's the mindset where, of the guy who sees his role as a pastor as like a, a CEO or, <laughs> um, or like the, the thing that, you know, the guy who casts his vision or whatever. What, like, where do they get that? How does that come about? Like, how does it? I mean, I really think like for a guy like Rick Warren, he probably, I think he has good intentions. I think he, yeah. me, I think he, I think he means to bring people into his church to hear Jesus. Right. Yeah. So, so the, the I, I think the idea is, um, it's, it, think of it like a restaurant, you know, I have good food here. Mm-hmm. I want people to eat my food. But I also recognize, you know, I've got to, I've got to, I've got to design this restaurant in a way that's going to appeal to, to certain people. So, mm. um, and this is kind of what we're recording does. He says you got to, you got to study the people you want to attract, right? You, you, you want, you want to reach to a certain, uh, a certain demographic. You want to reach the young people. You want to reach the business professionals. You want to reach the the inner city folks. You've got to study them. Figure out who they are. And then you've got to design your church so that they would, so that in your services, so that if they come, they're going to feel totally comfortable. They're not going to feel like they're walking into an alien space. So you can't have all the churchy stuff, right? Because that's, that's, that alienates them. Um, they need to walk into your restaurant or your church as if they're walking into like a concert or something, something they're used to. It doesn't have to be a concert, but something they're used to. So maybe if you're, if you're in Portland, Oregon, you might set up your sanctuary, like a coffee house, right. And have, and, and you set up and you're trying to reach like the 20 something Portland, Oregon person, you set up a coffee house kind of atmosphere in your sanctuary. And you sit up on the, sit up on the um, stage with your coffee and your, bench your, your table your table yeah. right 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 and you just have a chat right because you're, you're having coffee together your tv um, yeah right. <laughs> right, right right so i mean i think the motive is good i think i think the motive is well maybe um but see what happens is if that's your motive like if, if you're if you're saying i'm going to shape our worship i'm going to shape our worship and think about worship is i'm going to shape our worship to attract hmm. people rather than shaping your worship to please and honor and glorify god yeah I think you've got, you've already taken a step that's going to lead to other compromises along the way. So, uh, what happens? What that that's going to determine what you preach on. Like, like what if you if you if you're a pastor who preaches through books, which books are you going to preach through? Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe maybe you shouldn't do that because you know every book has something a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Maybe you should just preach on topics. Like we're going to have a five. You know, it's Valentine's Day coming up in a month, so let's have <laughs> let's have yeah. like a, a five part series on romance or whatever. And yeah. So you have the romance series and you decorate your your. <laughs> your <laughs> but but in every case you're you're, being, you're working really really hard. Maybe maybe you'll, maybe if you're if you're a good pastor you're going to go you're going to call out sin you're going to preach the gospel but but i think ultimately what happens when you compromise the, the form of worship is you begin to compromise the 
the, the substance of your, of your preaching to because you want people to stay. Mm. So there's a, there's a place. There's a place to make uh, the environment comfortable or, or good for the people to come in. I mean, you and don't want nails to come out of there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and welcome. Sit on this. Right? Yeah, yeah. You want to welcome <laughs> right. in the right. non-believers. Come in, you. Welcome. Sit <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, how can we make them uncomfortable? <laughs> so there's a place for that. But you're saying when the pastor um, is, is it, it, it comes down to his focus. Like, is he focusing on... Um, is he focusing on the word? Is he focusing on the gospel and getting to people? Um, or is he focusing more on, well, how to, how to get them in? It's just so interesting because like with Rick Warren again, like you would like, cause he's, he's doing that. He's fashioning the, the worship, um, around getting someone to come in well we would say around you know, tech has, professionals in in yeah in whatever yeah. valley that is right right and we would say like he has good intentions he wants them to come in to hear hear jesus um preached but it has been fascinating to to watch over the years that dumbed down yeah very the much gospel would be dumbed down watered down um, listen like to his sermons said. from 25 years ago listen to them now yeah. and they're very different yeah yeah, yeah. So it's just a, this slippery slope. Whenever you make, well, the seeker, uh, you're, you know, we can talk about that. Right, right, right. Is a seeker right. or not? But um, the the if you if you are putting the out the person on the outside coming in as your your standard or as right. like, like what you're what you're trying to get, I think you're right. I think everything else. It ser- serves that instead of well, actually, we are God's people. He calls us to worship Him. He He brings us in to receive yeah. the gospel. <laughs> um, us Christians, right, right. <laughs> um, not just non-believers, um, and who we should focus the pastors to focus on on that, not on just getting people in. Um, but another thing too, I mean. A pastor means shepherd. So, I mean, and a shepherd, I mean, he shepherds sheep, shepherds mm-hmm. the flock. I think that's another thing that always kind of grinds my gear a little bit Yeah. with um, big churches that focus so much on getting non-believers through the door, which is great. Like, that's, we should do that. <laughs> um, but to the detriment of the believers. Did I, did I ever tell you about the PDX church? No. Okay. And my wife, uh, her parents, and she was a little girl when they would visit the States. She was a missionary. But when they would be in the States, they would go to, they lived, it was in Portland, Oregon, and they would go to their family church, which was Burlingame Baptist Church. Great church, traditional Baptist stuff, right? Well, um, <laughs> about five or six years ago, they got a new pastor, and, um, he decided that uh, yeah, you know, everything had to change. So they renamed the church PDX Church because PDX is the airport code for for Portland, Oregon, right? And so in that way, you know, that, that just says we're people on the, we're like, we're international people <laughs> traveling, right? Um, and then, like he did what I said a minute ago, like he, 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 he took out all, he ripped out all the pews and brought, and put in a coffee shop kind of thing yeah. in the, in the sanctuary. And then, 
uh, he does, he does, he preaches from the table with, with a coffee cup and the, and, the, and the thing. And, and then, okay, so they have two services. He asked everybody over 40, uh, either 40 or 50, to go to the early service because he didn't want younger people to be turned off to the hip service at the later time, right? So, so he told the older people, you, I would go to this, please go to this service. And then I want you to, in case, because the service, that service ends as the other one is beginning to start in case we don't want people to see you. He didn't say it this way, I'm sure. But so you need to go out the back door so that we want, cause we want the young people coming in to have the impression. This is a young, young, happy church. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, he, I I thought it was a joke at first, but Anne's parent. I mean, this is this is legit. This is he really, he really, did, he really said this. How old is the guy? Um, he was like thirty something. Thirty, yeah, thirty something. Yeah. So, wow. It was yeah, that's that's that to me. That's not a shepherd. No, I no, mean, that's that's the wolf actually. Yeah. Actually, I, I, I think. <laughs> Just imagine a shepherd saying that to the older sheep. Hey, you need to. You're kind of old, <laughs> now, kind of so. old now. I'm going to forget about you. What? <laughs> Right. You know, unfortunately, I think that's more common than we than we think. Because, um, I mean, yeah, that just follows. Yeah. Uh, when you're when you're when you're trying to make a worship experience, um, and you know, the next generation is the most important generation. Um, the people outside those, are more important than people inside. It's that, yeah, that, that mentality yeah. is deadly. I mean, yeah. So that's just, I mean, that is uh, just to be expected from that yeah. point of view. So, I mean, okay. So now, now that being said, we should say, you know, Anglicans are, are not, are, you know, we can be so like, you know, there, there are ways to be welcoming. <laughs> so when I first came to get Shepherd, I think I told you this. I know I told you this. I told many people, so, so you probably, you, but maybe the, the listener hasn't, hasn't heard the story. But so they had this bulletin, <laughs> and and it, you, you said so they hand it to you, and it's in. I don't know if you've ever seen like Nazi propaganda posters from 1935 or something. It's like that. You know that Nazi script. The, the mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a Nazi script, right? Oh my! <laughs> right, right, right. Oh god! I think they thought it was like cool, like old, like whatever. <laughs> but it, it's it's. Nazi script, right? <laughs> so, so, so you, it's one sheet of paper, very small, hard to read, and it just has BCP page, you know, fifty-five, and no explanation about what the BCP is. No one, no, you would have no idea what the BCP yep. is. And then uh, hymnal page or number, or whatever, get the hymn number, um, and you sit down in the ta- in the in the in the pew, and you have no idea, no, no clue. Um, what's going on except for like little instructions like you will rise when <laughs> you will rise <laughs> right, right exactly <laughs> you, you, you will reverence the cross yeah. <laughs> so, so. don't lift your arm <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was awful awful so we finally got that change that was a big thing but but, uh, but wow. so I mean there, there are ways to make to, the, the Episcopal if Anglicans can be can make themselves inaccessible I mean I think one besetting sin of churches like or liturgical churches can be mm-hmm. kind of insulated mm-hmm. um, yeah we went to a church in Fort Worth yeah. um, a couple a, a couple years back uh, being home for Christmas and 
it was the first Anglican church that I had been to outside of Good Shepherd. And um, I was so confused. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was like, what? And all these books I yeah. have to use, yep. this, this prayer book, uh, the hymnal, and the bulletin. The right. bulletin doesn't really tell me where to go. Right. So everyone around me was, well, okay. Well, if you belonged here, you would know where to go. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it is really hard. Um, that's why I love <laughs> what we do. Where we just have everything in the bulletin. It's yeah. just, here you go. Yeah. There's your prayer book. Everything in the prayer book is here for you. Um, we're trying to work on, um, like a, like a beginner's kind of guide to the bulletin and like why we do what we do. Yeah. I think you're right. I mean, I think, um, yeah, you're supposed to be welcoming, um, welcoming to, to, to people on the outside. And that's a, it's in conversations I've had with, with friends, um, about this, it's almost like it's either or. Either you are mm. all for the outsider, or you're like all for the church, and you don't right. care about other people. <laughs> can't we have like a happy both? Hands. Yeah, can we? I mean, <laughs> right. Paul talks in Corinthians about the the outsider coming, yeah, in. coming in. Yeah, so there's like it was open, it's and him needing open. to understand what's being said, right? That's, that's, exactly. That's, yeah. That's, yeah. So the, the the image I really like, I forgot who. Where I read this, no, no, it wasn't original with me, but but th- th- there should be a sense for a visitor coming in who's a Christian or non-Christian. When they come into your church, they should sense they're they're stepping out of the kingdom of the world and into the kingdom of God. So mm-hmm. so it, it shouldn't be like oh this is I can get I can get this down the street to the concert hall. This should be right. okay. This is a different space. Yeah. And and the reason that it should be like that is because it is like that. You, you, the, the, this is the kingdom of God. So We're a different people, a different people, and and so in the kingdom of God, things are done as the king would have them done. So so that should be that should be communicated in everything. That mm-hmm. um, that and I think people. I think I think that even people who I guess Rick Warren would call seekers, I think they would actually want that. I, think I agree. Would, I agree, especially now. Right. Uh, I mean, especially now. I think there's. Um, I really do think there's a, a deep seated desire for, well, really creeds. Um, I mean, for structure, for something that is just boldly in your facing. This is what we believe. I, um, had a, a buddy of mine, um, really close friend of mine who, uh, you know, he was, he's, he's now moved. He's a youth pastor at a church out in, uh, uh, Washington, and um, uh, he was telling me about uh, this other church that he was um, considering, and he's like, "But it's kind of like it's kind of odd because you know every month they'll say the Apostles' Creed, and and he he comes from like a more non-denominational kind of background. Was that a problem for him that they said it that was there? a problem? Not like he was like I he was like I agree with the creed right, and right. all this stuff, but his problem was um, that it. Um, might uh scare away like outsiders and i and i told him i said well i actually disagree i i think from from what i've been just reading and hearing i think people want that i think people want to go to a church and just hear right you say this is what we believe and don't want kind of the wish-washy well well like you know i mean like some people say this and some people right. say, no i think I think people want that. I mean, for goodness sake. I mean, that's what our world is doing. Our world yeah. is saying straight up what they believe. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So they like, 
How are you going to combat that? Well, you're going to combat that with actual truth. Right. And the church is the pillar and buttress of the truth. Like you should go into a church and be like, oh, okay, they're unapologetic <laughs> about the truth. <laughs> right, right. Um, and um, we're not like, yeah, we're going to say that. Um, yeah, I, I completely agree. I think you're right. I think people do want that. Um, but, um, but yeah, so, I mean, we're out of time. Um, but I think next week, because I don't think you're meeting with Michael, we should... Yeah. Um, meet and um, maybe we can um, have more questions about the uh, the pastorate and like what it means what's like the difference between like uh, like a shepherd and a preacher oh. and a TED talker and, a, ah, yes, <laughs> and yes. all that type of stuff so I'd like to talk about that next week maybe uh, Lord willing but um, so yeah we'll that's a good place to stop we'll stop there and thanks for listening awesome.